0: Well, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 7, the book of Hebrews chapter 7. And if you're joining us for the first time today, or maybe just the first time in a couple of weeks, you need to know that this is actually the last week in a brief sermon series that we've been calling 2020 Vision, taking advantage of an opportunity to clarify the vision God has given us as a church and so what we've been doing over the last two weeks is talking, if we started out talking about giving, and then over the last two weeks, uh, last week and this week, we are talking about stuff that God does among us and through us and in us that he will not do by cutting a check. And last week we spoke about serving, and this week we are talking about praying. And we've got a lot to cover, so let's get right to it. The first thing I want you to understand is that serving and giving will never give you closeness with God. That's an important point that I want you to see from Scripture. So I want you to see that from the book of Hebrews chapter 7 and look at verse 25. Verse 25 says this, Consequently, he, being Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And that's our first point. Point number one, imperfect as we are, There's only one reason we can draw near to God, and that is Jesus Christ. You're not going to give your way into closeness with God. You're not going to serve your way into closeness with God. The only reason you can draw near to God is because of Jesus Christ. And this verse, in my opinion, is one of the best verses in the Bible. You say, that's a pastor line. You guys say that all the time. That's true, but humor me. This is one of the best verses in all the Bible. It contains the truth of the gospel right there. Like John 3.16 has got nothing on this verse. Look at it again. He, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Some people try to get close to God on their own. They muster up something. They muster up their courage or they muster up passion or their best efforts or all their stick but they can't get close to God. They might change behavior. They might change what they've been doing on a day-to-day basis or from week to week or month to month or even year to year, but they can't get close to God. Other people muster up sorrow or condemnation or their own punishment or their penance, and they find that they do that, but they still can't get close to God. Look at the text. He Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. We're reminded of what Jesus says, Jesus himself says in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 14, verse 6. He says, "What I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except what? Through me. And so you need to know that if you aren't a Christian and you feel far from God... That is appropriate because you are far from God. You're really far. And you might not be a Christian. You might be living in open sin and rebellion. You just do what you want when you want. You don't give a rip at all. Or you might be living a secret double life of sin and rebellion. And you feel really far from God. And that's because you are, in fact, really far from God. But you also might not be a Christian and just be a a, a do-gooder. You're not a Christian, but you follow all the rules. You're polite. You say please and thank you and my pleasure. You help people cross the street. You budget, you save, you invest, you dust, you floss daily. You win. You rock, bro. You're killing it. But you still feel really far from God. And that's because you are, in fact, really far from God. And the openly rebellious lost person and the person who's doing all the right things as they try to draw near to God with all they have to offer, God wants nothing to do with you. Nothing. Because you're pretty impressed with you and God opposes the proud. And so you'd be rejected by God. You would. The person doing all the right things, dotting every I, crossing every T, the person living the secret double life, the person living in open sin and rebellion, all are equally living in ways that, listen to me, offend God, offend God. And if you do approach God, you too would be rejected by God, like stiff-armed, hard pass, not a shot. And that's why Hebrews 7 and verse 25 is such good news. Because he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God, not of their own volition, but through him. Not of their own merits, but through him. Not of their own sorrow, but through him. And you say, that's very moving. I'd love for a fresh start with God. Or I'd love to come to Christ for the first time. I would love someone to click reset. I would love someone to start the counter over. But what if I mess up again? Well, look again at the text. He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he what? Since he... All, a little louder. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Always. It's not a one-shot deal. Always. He is my forever priest. Always. Perfect priest. And he never dies. All the other priests died. Right? Jesus died. Defeated death. Rose from the grave. Is seated in the heavens. He ascended into heaven. Now he's seated at the right hand of God and he's coming again. Always living to make intercession. How do you get close to God? How do you even approach him? How can you be in his presence with all your sin, all your rebellion, all your shame, or your pride, or whatever, just all your you-ness, just you, all the things that make you you? How can you get close to God with that? Only and ever through Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except Through him. Jesus provides deliverance from sin, past, present, and future. But here's the thing once you draw near to God and salvation, you don't ever want to be that far away again. Once you draw near to God and salvation, you won't ever want to be far away again. You've been accepted, right? You were once far away, and now you've been accepted in the beloved. You're wearing Christ's robe of righteousness. God called you his child. You found your forever family, and it just so happens to be the family of God. And so once you're in, how do you draw near to God if he's not here? Right? The term near is a term of proximity, right? I mean, we're near. I'm near the pulpit. Uh, We're near each other. You're near people right now. You might be near people right now. You wish you weren't near, but you're near them. Once you're in the family of God, you're a Christian, how do you draw near to God if he's not here? You say, well, he is here. He's everywhere. Omnipresence, right? He's, He's present everywhere. True. I get that. But the Bible seems to talk a lot about this additional nearness or this Ongoing closeness. Salvation isn't like you meet God once and that's it. It's not like some book signing or a celebrity meeting where you go, Hey, you're God. So cool. Okay, bye. Like that's not what this is. That's not what the gospel is where you get this one opportunity to meet God and now you have a picture of him and you'll always look back on the one, one time you were able to draw near to God. It's not this. That's not what we see. The Psalms are full of words like, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My soul longs for you. Faints for the courts of the Lord. I stretch out my hands to you. And those are written by Christians. Believers. They're not saying, please save me. I'm already saved. But I long for you. I want to be close. We don't have time to look at it, but perhaps you're familiar with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. The woman at the well longest recorded conversation we have in scripture between Jesus and any other human being is between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And she has this interaction with Jesus that she'll, she'll, she'll never forget. She'll never, you say, that's not in the text. Come on, bro. She'll never forget that. She's face to face with Jesus, has a conversation. Even if she did forget the conversation, she'll never forget that the way it ends, that one line, right? Because at the end, she's just had enough of him. And she's like, I just, you know what? She gives one of these. Thank you. When Messiah comes, he'll tell us all these things. Thank you. And then he responds, I who speak to you am he. I feel like she'll never forget that. It's a big moment. She was literally near God. Not poetically, like, there he is, I'm touching him near God. Face to face with God. Closer to Jesus than you will ever be to him on earth. Uh, Closer to Jesus than 99.9% of Christians will ever be to Jesus on earth. And she's granted salvation through Jesus, the Messiah, the son of the living God, the one the writer of Hebrews talks about, right? He was, able, he was able to save her and anyone else who would draw near to God through Christ. Great. How can she be close to God for the rest of her life? Because Jesus went away. And then Jesus died. Then he rose again. He's back. but Then he floated away. Oh, he's gone. How can she be close to God for the rest of her life? Well, I've never felt close to anyone that I don't speak to. I haven't. E- even people that I like haven't spoken to in a long time. But then, and I'm sure you have those people. Like, wow, it's like we could pick up right where we left off, right? But it's where you what left off. You probably used to speak a lot. Used to work together. Used to live together. Whatever. You used to speak a lot. I've never felt close to someone who I don't speak to. Sarah and I have a great marriage. Not a flawless one by any stretch of the imagination, but a great one. Uh, we've got, we love our kids. Got great kids. Celebrated Jonathan's birthday yesterday. He's a teenager, now. I got two teens in the house. Right? We got great kids, Justin, Jonathan, Jackpot, and Silas, all four of them. But we're not perfect parents at all. We're not perfect kids, not at all. But we love we we love each other. We live with each other. We share a home. There's 6 of us and Penny the dog. We share a home. It's a busy home. It's a it's a lots of moving pieces, lots of coming and going and this one's got baseball tryouts and jackpots got archery and we've got all these all the things are going on and I'm coming and I'm going and I have counseling and I come back, we have community group and all this other stuff. We live with each other. If we haven't spoken with one another, we don't feel close to one another. You say, so that means you're enemies? No. We just don't feel close. Busy seasons, busy times we haven't spoken. Passing ships, we don't feel close. I share a bed with Sarah. I spend more close time with her on a daily basis, proximity-wise, than any other human being on the planet. I'm not next to somebody for eight hours other than her. If we haven't spoken with each other, we don't feel close to one another. Sarah and I have sex. We make love. We enjoy it. Let that hang there so I'm not the only one who feels awkward right now. <laughs> it's a good thing. We haven't spoken with one another. Just been really busy. am not saying fighting. I'm just saying just been really busy. We don't feel close to one another. You can have skin-to-skin contact with someone. feel distant. I've never felt close to anyone I don't speak to. Maybe you look at the woman at the well and think she's, that's one lucky woman. She got to do something most Christians will only ever get to do in heaven. Look Jesus in the face. Close to God. And that's true. That is something. Something I've never done. Something you've never done. But I'll also say this. If that's the closest she's ever felt to God, that's actually really sad. If that moment is the closest she ever felt to her Lord and Savior, that's actually really sad. Right? If that's it, she peaked. And now the rest of her walk with the Lord is just some level of downhill. That's really sad. But that's the experience of many Christians, isn't it? Maybe even Most. They talk about the day they meet Jesus through the gospel as the closest they've ever felt to him, right? They always say, well, back then I used to be really, finish the sentence, on fire for Jesus. I used to be really fired up for him. And I'm glad they met, but how sad it is that from then on they felt far away. Is that, is that you? I'm not, I'm not asking if you're a Christian. I'm going to assume you're, so I'm talking to Christians. But do you feel far away? Do you feel far from God? Even though you're saved. Do you look back on the day when you wore Christ's robe of righteousness for the very first time? Realized you were saved, redeemed, a new creature. Was that the closest you've ever felt to God? And I'm here to tell you that's not God's plan for us. He desires intimacy. You say, I feel awkward again. You shouldn't. Intimacy is not a sex word. We've sexualized it. Look it up. The primary meaning of it, it's not sexual. It can be sexual. It just means closeness, primarily through friendship. So I can look at you and say, God desires, without apology, intimacy with his children. Intimacy with you as a son and daughter of the king. He desires closeness, but it will never, ever happen without conversation. It will never happen without Prayer. You say I'm a little sick of the a little sick of people calling prayer conversation because I don't know about you, Pastor Peter, but my I seem to do mo- more of the talking in prayer than God. In fact, I do all of the talking. In fact, it's monologue; it's not dialogue at all. Uh, what's this conversation? Why can't he start the conversation? Why can Why is it? Wouldn't it be like just you know throw me a bone like? Just, like, peek. Give me a little wave. Like, do something, God. Like, just be there so we can have this conversation. Remind me of your presence. Say something. And I look at you and I say, I think God did start the conversation. He's actually said a lot. A lot. Now it's your turn to talk. I think it's Francis Schaeffer who says it, Right? He is not silent, not by any stretch of the imagination, never has been, never will be. What have you said to God? How does the woman at the well draw near to God after Jesus walked away? After Jesus died, the same way you and I do, we pray. And when you pray, stuff happens. And many times you hear a sermon about prayer, you'll hear about the stuff that God changes through prayer outside of ourselves not going to negate that, but I'm just not going to focus on that. I want to call your attention to the changes God does to us, in us, through prayer. And that's our second point, which you might have to read twice. You can't draw near to God and not begin to change. There's a lot. Of, I don't even like the way I really worded that. You can't not, the not, the can't. Like, it's like, okay, wait, two negatives is a positive, carry the one. You can't draw near to God and not begin to change. If you draw near to God, you will begin to change. It's going to happen. You can't help it. See, prayer isn't about changing God's mind. It's about him changing yours. And I put Romans 11, verses 33 and following in your outline. Look at what Paul says. He says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable are his ways. Look at verse 34. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? And so that's, Paul's asking a rhetorical question, right? There's an obvious answer. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody's known the mind of the Lord. Nobody's given him counsel. Paul asks this rhetorical question to remind us that God requires no advice, no counselor, no wisdom, nothing from anyone. You say, "What does that have to do with prayer?" Well, I'll tell you. If you're approaching Him trying to change His mind, uh, it's not going to work. And but more importantly, you're missing out on an opportunity for relationship. Do you ever have a conversation with somebody and you know that you have an ulterior motive? The ulterior motive may not even be bad. You might be looking for an opportunity to share Christ. You're like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. You're looking for an open door. That's great. It's not bad. It's usually stressful. Uh, You might say, I really want to talk to, I'm going to have this conversation with my kid because I want to show her this area that I really, I'm, I'm hoping the Lord helps her grow in. And so you're, you're, either treading lightly or you're going in with two guns blazing, which usually works horribly, but like, I got to talk about this. That's great. It's not a sin. It doesn't build closeness. It's usually pretty stressful. Does that make sense? If you're meeting with somebody from your community group, you're hoping they'll step it up and serve in a different way. Great. And so you have that meeting. Hey, I wonder if we can grab coffee. Great. That other person is just gra- meeting to grab coffee and you're like, great. Okay. How am I going to do this? How am I going to lay this out? It's a stressful time. Uh, it's needed sometimes, but it's stressful. And I'm just saying, if that's the way we approach God... We're going to miss out on the opportunity to have to grow closer to him, that we have to grow closer to him by spending time with him talking. sometimes we think we need to pray harder so that we can change God's mind on something like like he's a- like he we're his constituents right and if more people petition him, uh he will probably do the thing. That's not how God works it's not it's 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 not Frankfurt. Right, he's not. He's not the. uh, He is the lawmaker. See what I did there? But he's not a lawmaker. And he's a. Wow, I was going to do this, but look at that. Thirty-five people prayed for the same thing in five minutes. I've got to change my plans. Stuff God has never said. We pray for relationship. God doesn't need our help to change His mind. That's not to say they'll say, "Oh, I feel so hopeless now." No, no, no. God is in control. God is on the throne. God is on the move. You should pray, but don't put so much stock in your prayers. they like, if I only pray hard enough, this will happen. And then when it doesn't happen, you're like, I didn't pray hard enough. And God's up in heaven going, you didn't pray hard enough. I can't, I, I can't, I can't no more. No, that's not how God works. We pray to God for relationship, for communion with him. We seek to build a relationship. And if you're approaching him, trying to change his mind on something, I'm just telling you, A, it's not going to work. But more importantly, you're missing out on the opportunity you have to build communion with God, That's not what prayer was meant for. It's not going to build closeness. It's not going to better establish a relationship. But the more time we spend with God, talking to God, communing with God, we don't change his mind on anything. But you know what happened? He changes ours. The more time we spend talking with God, the more time we spend reading his word, the more time we spend sharing our hearts with God, the more our minds are changed. The more our perspective is changed. How we view things, how we interpret life, how we see God working or how we interpret when we don't see God working is all changed because we've spent time with God and he changes our minds. Here's another thing. Prayer isn't about changing God's plans. It is about shaping yours. Praying to God changes our perspective on what's happening in our lives right now. Let me see if I can show you that. Uh, In your outline, I put Romans 1 verses 9 and following. This is Paul talking here, and he is writing a letter to the church at Rome. Look what he says in verse 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in what? In my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you. Look at verse 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you but thus far have been prevented. So it's pretty clear from the text that Paul wanted to visit the church in Rome. And that's not hard to believe, right? He's a Roman citizen by birth. He knows God is doing great things there. And so he tries and he tries and he tries and he tries and he tries, but it doesn't happen. It's just not happening. I don't know if you can read there, but look at, he's basically saying, I, I just can't. I mean, I've prayed. He's not saying there's some super spiritual The devil, it's, he's saying, I can't, I can't win for losing, man. I'm trying to get there. Uh, Verse 10, always in my prayers, I've been talking, uh, but it's, I I can't, I want to finally succeed in making this happen. I long to see you. Verse 13, I have often intended to come to you, but have been prevented. And so uh, we call that being providentially hindered, providentially hindered. That's not just like circumstances being what they are. no. God is the author of circumstances and God in his sovereignty for whatever reason, for reasons unknown to Paul, he's like, I can't get there, man. Would love to get there, but I can't get there. I've been praying. I've been trying. I've been prevented. I've tried again. I've been prevented again. I can't get to you. So he's been providentially hindered. And so, you know, he's like, he's like, so I can't get there. All right. And the result of that, you have 16 beautiful chapters in your Bible of some of the most deepest wells of teaching of doctrine. And God's working through that circumstance. Look at the other letters Paul has written to places he's been. They're not bad. Paul went to Ephesus. He wrote a letter to Ephesus. Six chapters. Right? Philippians. Four chapters. Why? Well, because he was there. There's lots he said to them. And then he's writing to follow up and teach some other things. But Rome, he's like, we've not hung out. We've got lots to say. Here we go. And God works through that. And Paul sees that, and he's writing. And why does he see that? He has been praying. He's not just been trying. He's been praying. Spending time with God and talking with him allows you to see God, listen, in the now. Now and not just in the wow. I find that a lot of times people are looking for God in what I call in the wow, in the the big moments. They're looking, 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 looking. I got news for you. When God shows up in the wow, you can't miss it. I'm really looking, you'll see it, right? People raised from the dead, hard to miss. Uh, Somebody healed miraculously, hard to miss. You'll see, and I'm not saying don't pray for those things. I'm just saying, Praying to God about the mundane things. Here's Paul, like, I can't get to Rome. Can you help me get to Rome? I really want to get to Rome. Praying and praying and praying, trying and trying and praying and praying and praying. praying. It doesn't happen. You'll see God working in the seemingly mundane things in the now and not just in the wow. You won't miss the wow. You'll see it. Trust me, you will see it. But praying to God about the mundane things allows you to see him working where you typically wouldn't. You're just like, I just think that's life. I just thought it was life. So you're driving somewhere, and you pray that God gives you a parking space. You say, that sounds pretty lame, right? There's people dying in other parts of the world, and I'm like, but if you have a minute, I'd like parking. Sounds pretty lame. Yeah, I get it. Then you get there, and you find a parking space, and you go, cool. Thank you, Lord. Now, I'll let you decide at lunch whether the reason you got that space is because God, like, miraculously gave you that space, which means someone else is like, where's my car? Like, or all of a sudden, like, someone's just in the middle of a meeting, they're like, I have to go. I have to move my car. Why? I don't even want to. I can't help it. I'm moving. I have to move my car. I don't think that's what took place. But if you do, that's fine. You're fine. Or you can decide if you think that that spot would have been there either way. But because you prayed about it, you see God's hand in it and you thank him for it. And if you hadn't prayed about it, you would have just been like, cool, spot. Or like me, I actually, I actually take credit for it. <laughs> Nailed it. Makes no sense. <laughs> Nailed this. Look at this spot. Right, because I did that. Praying to God about the seemingly mundane things helps you see God in the now. And not just in the wow. Will you see God in the wow? Yes. Does he move often in the wow? Not as much as some churches would like you think. But he's moving all the time in the now. All the time. And as I pray to God about the seemingly mundane things, he changes my view of his plans or my mind. He does the change in me. And when the circumstances are positive, you'll be more thankful. Got a spot. Thank you, Lord. When the circumstances are seemingly negative or difficult, but you've been praying, you know God well. You know he hears, right? You know he can. It's never like, I wonder if God can do this. Really? Say that again slowly. He's God. So you know he can do this. You know he's good. You know he loves you. For some reason, he's not. Paul knows God is good. I can't get to Rome. I wonder if God is bad. No. Paul knows God is good. No question. And since he knows God is good, he's like, God is good. God loves me. I think it makes sense for me to go to Rome. He must not think it makes sense for me to go to Rome. So there must be another reason. And this is cool. It's really cool when you can look back and see God working. Oh, that's why that happened. It's even cooler when you can see it when you're in it. And that's what happens as you do it more and more. You're like, you know what? I don't know why this isn't working out. Quite frankly, really frustrated. But I know God well. I don't know what he's up to, but I know if he wanted me to do this, it it would be happening, and it's not. And so I know God well, and he's working right here in the now, even though it's not what I think would be best. Does that make sense? But if we're not praying about those things, it's just like, wow, life is just hard. Wow, this just stinks. Wow, this is just hard. And all of those things are true. It is hard. It does stink. But God's in it. And you can say, God, I don't get this. I don't understand. This, does seem, this doesn't seem right, fair, good, helpful, beneficial. doesn't seem biblical. But I know you love me. I know you can do all things, and I... Know that since you could change this and you're not changing this, it must not be for my good. So I'll wait on you. You've never let me down. Amen. That's what Paul talks about in Philippians 4, 6. It's not in your outline, but when he says, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Why? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds forever in Christ Jesus. Translation, there's a peace you can have from God that's better than if you understood the circumstance. I still don't see the why. I don't know the reason, but I have peace. It surpasses understanding. It's like, if only I knew what was going on. God says he can give a peace that surpasses understanding. And that's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. That's what happens when we pray. It says that, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And this happens with time and over time. And so that's what I want to spend the rest of our time looking at. Number three, you need to have some amount of unhurried time with God in order to draw closer to him because all relationships take time to develop. There seems to be within the pages of Scripture a general sense of wanting to spend more time with God, right? We read that earlier in the Psalms. My soul longs for you, thirsts for you. I stretch out my hands to you. We see it again. I put Psalm 27, verse 4 in your outline. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's a really, really strong desire. But he can't do that. He can't, right? He's got a job. He's got things he's got to do. He can't do that. He's, but he's saying, this is what I long to do. I long to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He's not saying, take me to heaven. Right? He's not saying, take me away. He's saying, oh man, if I could, if I could do this all the time, if I could, if I could dwell in God's house all the time, if I could gaze upon his goodness, if I could inquire in his temple, this would be great. But he can't do that in life. He's just saying that's what he wants to, but he's got to work. He's got to sleep. He's got to do whatever he's got to do, but he longs for that. And so he's, he's long. He longs for long, unhurried times with God. And what I want to ask you is, do you ever have that? I'm not asking if you pray. I'm, a, I'm assuming you pray uh, to some degree, even if it's just firing up a really fast prayer, which by the way, is not ungodly at all. Firing up the flare prayer when something, Oh, I really need this. Oh, I really need that. You should do that. Don't, buy into the myth that god doesn't hear those he's up in heaven well you, we don't talk you don't buy me flowers that's not what he that's not how god rolls right you know when people it's an election season which you might be aware of and people say you know if you don't vote you can't complain uh false it's actually constitutionally guaranteed you have freedom of speech i don't think you should i think you should vote i think you if and but you, you can't if you don't vote you can't complain uh can and people do all the time get a social media account you will see I don't think it's wise, but don't say you can't do that. When people say God doesn't hear the short prayers, He only hears the long ones. Ah, That would be wrong. One top to like just categorically erroneous. He doesn't hear you. Yes, He does, all the time. All the time. So I'm not asking if you pray. You probably pray. Even if you only pray when you panic, you probably pray. Do you ever pump the brakes? and have that unhurried time with God? Is that a thing in your life at all? Does that ever happen? I want to show you Psalm 73. So I would like you to turn there, please. Psalm 73. And so in your outline, uh, I have placed how I break up that psalm. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read it to you with my inflection on how I interpret this psalm based on what I'm reading. I don't think I'm off, but this is how I think this psalm is to be read. Psalm 73, beginning in verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart but as for me my feet had almost stumbled my steps had nearly slipped for i was envious of the arrogant when i saw the prosperity of the wicked for they have no pangs until death their bodies are fat and sleek they're they're not in trouble as others are they're not stricken like the rest of mankind Uh, Behold, these are the wicked. They're always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long, I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. But if I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, oh, it just seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. And then I I discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places. I mean, you make them fall to ruin. How how they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakes. Oh, Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When My soul was embittered when I was pricked in heart. I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you'll receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? There's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell all your works. Now, I'm no Max McLean, but do you see how the psalmist's heart changed? Do you see that show of hands? I kind of see that. Yeah. Do you see how in the beginning he's talking about all that they have and that he doesn't have? And at the end he goes, I don't want anything on earth. There's nothing I'd want on earth. You're my portion. Do you see how that changed? Now listen. Do you notice that that took 28 verses to happen? And so there's nothing wrong with the flare prayer, right? He could just start out and just say, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. It's a great example to us that you can express your frustrations. Like, this drives me crazy, God. So if he just flew up that flare, like, what's, uh, God, I don't even get it. What's up with these people? Why do I even try? And then he moves on with his day. Is that wrong? No. Would he be changed? No took 28 verses. Unhurried time with God changes things. And so I want to know, do you have anything in your life to help you pump the brakes, to slow you down? Do I strike you as someone who downshifts easily? Please, okay? Nothing happens fast enough for Peter La Rufa. So I have to put things in my life to slow me down. Is it a sin to pray in a rushed manner? Nope. Don't let anyone tell you it is. It's not true. Do I miss out on something? If that's all I do? Oh, absolutely. And so here's what I'd like to do. I've made a change in my life. For several years now, I have worked in unhurried times with the Lord. I've always prayed but I used to have these unhurried times like a couple of times a year where I would take a, like a prayer day. They're great. But now I've worked it out so that I can have that more often. And so I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm not. I'm going to tell you how I do it so that you can maybe say, oh, that might work for me. I might try this. Does that make sense? So this is not like we don't care about the watering schedule. We care about the fruit right? So we care about the fruit that comes as a result of this. You water as needed, depending on you. And let's just get into it. Seven things I've done to improve my prayer life that you might try. Uh, One, try reading through the Psalms, like regularly. So I've always read through the Psalms in my Bible reading plan, but I kind of avoided them on their own, just to be honest with you. It's like, oh, it's poetic. They don't always resolve. I can't do anything with them. They make me feel mushy. I don't want to feel mushy. So it's like, okay, I like the. I get it. Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yeah, I'm a sheep. He's Okay, it's good. And so I don't dislike them, but I never like we're drawn to them. I, and I never wanted to spend a lot of time in them. I had a seminary professor one time say, here's something. actually forced us to do it. Well, like, oh, you can't force me to read the Bible. I can and did if I want to get the good grade, So to read through the Psalms in a month, five Psalms a day according to the date. So today's February 16th. So you read Psalm 16 plus 30. You read Psalm 40. I got you. 46. You're good. Plus 30, uh, Psalm 76 plus 30, Psalm 106 plus 30, Psalm 136. If you do that every day in a month, you'll read through all the Psalms. On the 29th, I don't read Psalm 119 because it's too long. Ain't nobody got time for that. I wait for... A month with 31 days, and that's all that I'll read Psalm 119 on that day. But then you don't read it every month. Yep, I'm cool with that. Can you be cool with that? Thanks. So that's how I roll. I try to spend time in the Psalms. Why? Because I see these unhurried prayers and these unhurried times with God that result in change. And it helps me pray. Wow, now I know how to pray. Wow, look at this. And you'll see Psalms you'll read through. They don't always resolve. This one ends cu- like quite nicely. Some of them just like leave you hanging. Why do the wicked prosper? Why do they prosper so much and I don't? Where are you, Lord? Come save me. End. Did he die? I don't know what happened. He doesn't. But don't you isn't that your life sometimes too? Like we can relate to this where not every prayer is kind of tied up with a bow and finishes in Jesus' name, Amen. And everything is all better. That's just not life. That's not life. It's not leave it to beaver. This is not real life. And so you'll read through the Psalms and you'll be encouraged. You're like, I can relate to that. It'll change the way you think about things because you'll start praying along the same lines of the Psalmist, believe it or not. I know that sounds crazy. So I would encourage you to read through the Psalms. I, when I'm reading through the Psalms and I feel like doing that, I do five a day according to the day plus thirty. You do you, boo boo. I just say you should spend the time in the Psalms if you're not. Number two, try praying through your calendar, your to-do list, and don't feel like you have to take a long time. So I'm a shameless plugs, I'm a fan of the Full Focus Planner, and so I keep a digital a digital calendar. Uh, which I swear by, but then I also keep an analog one. And you say, that sounds like you're keeping two. I am. I can't get into it now. It's really helpful. And so as I write out what I need to do that day, I pray through my day in seconds. In seconds. I don't take 10 minutes and pray for every meeting. I don't get time for that. It's like, okay, well, I have to do this. I have this counseling coming up. It's like, oh, that's going to be hard. God, give me wisdom. Give me discernment. Do a breakthrough. I can't break through. I need you to break through. Cool. I'm going to have lunch with... Lunch with Lewis. Look forward to that, Lord. I hope he's doing well. Bless his family. Bless his ministry. Cool. So, so, I mean, it's firing it away. He says, you can't do that with God. Can. Do. All the time. No apology. Changed my mind. He's cool with that. And so pray through the mundane things of your day. Why? Because then when something goes well, you'll see his hand in it. When you would have just said, oh, I guess that just went well. Or like me, you would have taken credit for the parking spot. Nailed it. Instead of looking at God and saying, wow, thank you. So pray through your to-do list. you got to go to the store you don't want to go to the store. Tell God, I don't want to go to the store. I hate that I have to go to the store. I wish this was Eden and I could just eat from trees everywhere, but it's not. And I have to, go to the, I have to go to that store. So be with me as I do that. Help me find the things. Help me find good deals. Good. Then you go to the store and you do. And you know what you say? You're, Thanks, God. Would you have said thanks, God, if you didn't pray? Probably not. You probably just would have went to the store. Do you see what I mean? You're acknowledging God. God's doing his thing anyway, but he says every good and perfect gift comes from above. So now you're keeping track of more of the good things you have in your life that are really from him. Pray through your to-do list. All right, number three, falling asleep, getting distracted, buckle up. Try praying with your eyes open. You're like, I don't think that'll take. I think it'll disrupt the signal or something. Pray with your eyes open. How many of you would say, there's times when I've fallen asleep while praying? Raise your hand. All right. I feel like there's a lot of people who didn't admit to it. The best of prayer warriors fall asleep while praying. Let me show you something. Let's put it up on the screen. Okay, so, It's right at an elders meeting, right? There he is. So since I pray with my eyes open, I see that and I'm like, oh, and then I texted it to him and the other elders. All right. Now you can take, take it down now. How many of you have fallen asleep while praying? Raise your hand. Look, there's more of you. Sad. Look at that. Lying to a pastor in a church on a Sunday. Good luck with that. Hey, community group comes at the end of a day. It's usually about 8 o'clock by the time we start praying. I've had a long day. Prayer is usually monologue from somebody else. I'm pretty tired. If you were focused, you wouldn't fall asleep. Oh, shut up. I'm just tired. And so I... I pray with my eyes open now more often than ever, and I look at the person who's talking. That's what I would do if they were talking in the community group, right? It's like They're talking in group, but they're not talking to me, so I look at them while they're praying. Does that sound creepy? I don't know. Their eyes are closed. They won't care. <laughs> Win-win. But this is, So I don't want to get distracted. Try praying with your eyes open. Simple thing. You could think, that's crazy. We learned today that Peter's not a Christian. He prays with his eyes open. That's fine. Don't do it if you don't want to do it. Can you just show that picture again just one more time real fast? I mean, you could do surgery on this man. Can you? Do you see that? Out. Out. All right. Anyway, try an unhurried, consistent prayer time for a while. You define unhurried and consistent and set yourself up to win. That's key. You define unhurried. You define consistent so when you're sitting here and you're going, you know, I don't have this unhurried time. I heard a great sermon today. I'm going to have an unhurried prayer time with God every day for the rest of my life. I'm going to look at you. I'm going to say, no, you're not. You're going to say, that's mean. You don't believe me. I would say, yes, I do not believe in you. It's just not, not how, God, how people train for a marathon. They don't just get up and run one. So set yourself up to win. Set that bar low. And if you think that that means I'm going to do it once a week, great. If you think that means you're going to do it once a month, great. If you think that means I'm going to commit to doing this one time before Easter, great. Set yourself up to win, not to fail. How long is unhurried? I don't know. I don't know. For some people, it's 90 minutes. Great. You look at me and you say, I could never do 90 minutes. Hey, I got an idea. Don't. What works for you? I don't know, 20. Great. I do not care. Stop trying to buy into the system of someone else. You're like, that doesn't really fit me, so I'll never be godly. Just do it, man. Figure it out. You define unhurried. What does that mean? That means I'm going to stay focused for a half hour. Great. means I'm going to do it first thing in the morning. Great. means I'm going to do it over lunch. Fine. means I'm going to do it late at night before I go to bed. Great. I don't care. Look at your neighbor and say, he doesn't care. I don't care. So, okay, you do whatever works for you. And you define unhurried and you define consistent and set yourself up to win because I'd rather you do something than nothing. Nor do I want you to hold out for the time when I'm going to take four hours and do this. Man, Good. How, how often do you have four hours? I don't always have four hours. So you're going to like hold out for the time that you're off from work because it's like, wow, okay, that's a long time away. Don't wait for that. Just do it shorter, sooner. And you set yourself up to win. Uh, number five, this is going to bother some people. God isn't impressed by consistency. Do you ever know that? Unimpressed by your consistency. In this plan, I have a, a streak tracker in here. So like I want to work out three times a week. And so every time I do that, I get to check a little box. That's good. That helps me see how I'm doing. God, unimpressed. Doesn't care. Wow, he's really consistent. Look at him go. Unimpressed look, some of you are twitching, but I want him to like my consistency. He's 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 you're consistent, but he's constant. You can't measure up to constant. He's like, wow, congratulations. You've gone to the gym three days a week ever since the new year. That's great. I spoke the world into existence and prevent the planets from crashing. I'm kind of a big deal. So he's not impressed with consistency. And so when you miss, just do it again. I got to make up for lost time. I got to retro pray. I got to stop, stop. Just do it again. Just pick it up. I'm behind on my Bible reading. I won't finish by the end of the year. Okay. I don't think God operates on a fiscal year. Like, you think you're good. Just pick it up and do it again. Because here's the thing. If you're like, if you're the type of person who's like, I have to be consistent, you're probably going to be the type of person who's going to say, I'm not going to try this because what if I'm not consistent? Because you don't want to fail. But I say, if you don't fail, you didn't try. Try. God's not impressed with your consistency. So he's not hurt by your inconsistency. He'll always be happy to hear from you, right? You're never going to like it. It's like when you send a text to someone, you get that text back. New phone, who dis? You'll never get that from God. He's always going to be happy to hear from you. He's always going to be happy to hear what's on your mind and on your heart. And there's a couple of other things in there, but I'll, I'll skip to the final thing. Uh, consider what tools and methods you might employ to help you try to be unhurried. So for me, for me, for me, it's a prayer journal. And uh, that's not that you have... Real Christians have prayer journals and other non-Christians... I'm not saying that. For me, this slows me down because you know what I've figured out? I can only write so fast. I will only ever write so fast. There will never be an app that comes out that makes me write faster. I can only write so fast. And so this slows me down. I type over 100 words a minute. That's not a skill. That's a sickness. I type fast. Okay? but I don't want to type. I want to slow down. And so I have a prayer journal and I write to God. And you know what happens? I write differently here than I do here because God changes my mind over time. I write differently about something from here to here because God changes my mind over time. Because as I'm writing, I start out just like the psalmist does Why does this stink? And and I can't believe you got to help me. And what's going on? I'm trying my best. I can't win for the life of me. And I know you're in this. I know. Uh, I know you're good. I know i got to persevere. I know you're going to strengthen me. Great. And then you look back and you're like, I wasn't writing that in the beginning. I think God changed me. So this works for me. My consistent unhurried prayer time is Wednesdays and Thursdays and sometimes Fridays. Should be every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Jesus is coming and it'll be every day one day. It doesn't work that way for me. It's not every day. I pray every day, but the unhurried, like most of the times, if you're flipping through this, I write the date and you'll see most of them are Wednesdays and Thursdays, sometimes Fridays. There's the occasional Monday in there. I got a little extra time. I Want to jot something down, but that's for me. That's consistent and unhurried. I can do it on Wednesdays and Thursdays, sometimes Fridays. What's it going to be for you? Going to be a prayer journal? Great. Going to be moleskin or a spiral-bound notebook? I don't care. You should not. You should do what works for you. You're writing pen. You're going to use a quill pen. You I don't care. You hate prayer journals. You want to do something else? Great. What can you employ in your life to help you pump? breaks so that you can do the flare prayers, fire them up as they come to your mind as often as you want, but then also have that time when you just kind of talk to God. How else will you be reminded of his promises? How else will you be reminded of the fact that he really does make a way when there seems to be no way? How else will you be reminded of the, the miracles that he's done? So you look at the miracles and you're like, oh, I just want a job. Like this is not, that's right, part of the Red Sea. Ah, okay. So this is like not a, yeah, not a big deal for you. And then you're reminded like, wow, God can do this. He always can do this. He always can do this. But for me, that happens not during my flare prayer times. Those are separate. Those are fine. But with the unhurried times when I spend time with God, for me, Wednesdays, Thursdays, sometimes Fridays, what will you employ to take a step? In that direction to have unhurried time with Him. Think about it, pray about it, and do it to the glory of God. And when you mess up, just do it again. God, we love that you never mess up and you never have to do anything again and try harder. Uh, You've never tried at anything, Uh, you just do. You're great, you're consistent, you're constant. We love you and we long to be close to you. Show us, Lord, what that looks like as we seek to employ things in our life to help us pump the brakes and slow down and spend more time with you. And may we focus on the goal of intimacy with God and you show us the means to that end. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.